Hey, everybody. Today, my guest is longtime San Diego sports personality, John Coach Quintero. We talk about his start, how he got the nickname The Coach, and his early career in coaching. He tells us about the good, the bad, the ugly of the sports talk show biz and some of his favorite interviews and memories. From Duke Snyder to Tony Gwynn to Manny Machado, Coach has studied baseball and the Padres in depth for a long time. He talks about the early days with Hacksaw, Jim Rome, and Pharrell on the bench and how he got to where he is today. Now, the coach has been doing this for a while and is not used to trying to cram everything into one hour. So on occasion, I speed up the conversation to high speed. <laughs> that leaves you only the meat, no filler. So when you hear, that just means I had to trim a little bit. So sit down, strap in, turn on and turn up this sporting episode of Tony on the Mic. Our story begins as these stories often do. So you can puff your chest out and tell everybody your T-ball team your won on Saturday afternoon. I mean, come on. And it's like, that was not a good try. He Johnny did not try. Well, Johnny was <laughs> picking his nose and looking at the cars yeah. in the parking lot and not watching the ball. Right. Who control who lives, who dies, who tells your story. It's awesome. You know, it's amazing. I'm and still like a little kid when I tell yeah. that story, to be honest with you. <laughs> you, I mean, like, you lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh, And no offense, but no matter how hard you work, you're probably not ever going to be a great no, singer. No, no, I, 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 I can't <laughs> sing more than... I don't know why I told that story, except that I really like saying I played at the House of Blues. That's uh, awesome. I have to say, that's the most amazing story I ever heard. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you listen to this fine podcast product. My name is Tony Lawrence, and this is Tony on the Mic today. I am joined with a San Diego sports legend, Coach John Quintero, the voice of San Diego for 30-something years now, right? About that? That's correct. And yeah. good to be here, uh, Tony. Thanks so much for the invite. I was looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Say goodnight to the folks. Night, uh, Tony. Thank you so much, and I uh, hope everyone enjoys the episode. Psych. Just kidding, Coach. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you listen to this fine podcast product. My name is Tony Lawrence, and this is Tony on the Mic. Today, I am joined with a San Diego sports legend, Derek Vineyard. Just kidding, I'm joined by <laughs> Coach John Quintero, the voice of San Diego for 30-something years now, right? About that? That's correct, and yeah. good to be here, uh, Tony. Thanks so much for the invite. I was looking forward to it. Yeah, it's gonna. I think it's going to be a good time, and then Derek is the EP executive producer of this episode he he wanted to handle all of the coordination but his condition was he got to be on the mic so you can say hi to the folks Derek. absolutely hello everyone yeah so um before you start do you have any social media or anything anything you want to promote uh no you know i'm on facebook okay uh and you know i'm pretty basic uh, i'm on uh, twitter as well what's your uh, handle on twitter uh Coach Cantera 44 coach Cantera 44 yeah, coach right. Cantera 44 my high school basketball number oh nice nice um. Yeah, Derek. Do you have any socials? Of course, it I doesn't do. matter if you it, have socials. Nobody. <laughs> My dog yeah. has one. What are your socials? Tell Tell us what your socials are, so people can hit you up after this episode. I'm on Facebook. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Just Facebook. So you're, you're super social. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think Derek thought this was going to be like a one-hour call into your show where nobody interrupts him. 
I think. <laughs> I think that's, that's all right. He made one or two calls to my show. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. I've <laughs> or heard three or four. <laughs> I've heard he's been on a couple times. So let's see. You started. Let's just get a little uh, groundwork laid here. You uh, went to Torrey Pines High School, right? Graduated in '76. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, that makes you carbon dating, old man. Yeah. Actually, I graduated in '81, so I'm not too far. <laughs> I'm not too far ahead of you. Yeah, you got to respect your elders. Abs- yes, 100. <laughs> percent Derek, you hear that? You got to respect both of us. I, I immensely. Okay. <laughs> And then, let's see, you went, played baseball at Miracosta College, right? That, and basketball. And basketball, correct. Uh, what, what was your number there? Uh, my number uh, in baseball was uh, 27, and basketball was 52. Okay, so your high school is 44. 44. And it's amazing how you hang on to your high school stuff, isn't it? How just your high school stuff's always memories. And then you went to U.S. International University on a scholarship? Yeah, I uh, came out of junior college and, and had offers in both basketball and baseball, and I chose to go to USIU uh, basically because they were going to allow me to, there was one of the schools that was going to allow me to play both sports. Oh, and wow. Unfortunately, I went there, and in basketball, I got hurt and went out for the baseball team, and uh, I really couldn't play. I played a, a few winter games, and, and once ba- our basketball was over, and my leg was just not responding, and so I was going to take the year off. Well, I'm, about two weeks after I decided that, I ran into my old high school coach, Craig Scoggins, at a car wash, and he goes, hey, I heard you're not going to play this spring. Would you like to come out and coach? And I go, certainly. So I, uh, for the next three years, I was the assistant baseball coach at Torrey Pines and got my coaching career started. Wow. That's awesome. You also have a uh, degree and a credential for teaching? Right, uh, physical education. I got a, a bachelor's uh, a degree in uh, physical education. Then I went another year and got my California State teaching credential that I have uh, still to this day. Nice. Now, is it true what they say is those who can do, those who can't teach, and those who can't teach, teach physical education? I don't so- think that's the case. <laughs> I, think, I think, Tony, uh, more than anything else, you know, I'm like a lot of guys. I, I love sports. I yeah. came from a, a sports background. My family was very involved in sports. My dad was a college football player. He was a professional boxer. My oh, wow. my brother was a really good athlete. And uh, In fact, he had gone uh, on a football scholarship after playing two years at Palomar. He had gone to Arizona and was going to be a starting defensive back. And But he fell in love with a woman. Ah. And uh, she at that time, she had two children. And uh, he uh, came back and... Uh, waited about six months till he got old enough, and he joined the police uh, or the uh, sheriff's department. Went through the uh, sheriff's academy and had a great, uh, uh, great career in law enforcement for 34 years. And wow. uh, I know mom and dad weren't real happy that he came back and gave up a starting defensive back spot. And yeah. you know he was a, <laughs> a guy that could really run. He was a cornerback. He returned punts. He did a little bit of everything. And in uh, junior college but uh, you know he, he fell in love and him and his wife have been married over 50 years now all right that's a win because if they're if they're married that long that's a win right, if they're married they got, five years that's a bad trade yeah no it, <laughs> it worked out well they they got uh, three great children and several grandchildren and uh he spends a lot of his days now uh, traveling around watching his grandson play baseball he's a senior in high school in fort collins colorado nice. so uh nice. my brother's had a really good life and a good family not a bad way to go you know and it's funny because the the snapshot of sports whether it be high school or college or even pro is such a small slice of your life you know that we oftentimes well, except you i mean you're you're one of the few who get to you get a big slice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if this was an eight slice pizza, seven of your slices are sports related. I mean, you got a pretty good deal there. Uh, not many people get to 
to peripherally, you know, be involved at some level through the whole thing. So that's pretty cool. And you're also married, right? Married. Uh, I've been married uh, this uh, past August uh, 20th, 39 years. 39 years. Yeah. Man. How long you were married, Eric? 24. Uh, okay. Note to Kim, he had to think about it. <laughs> I'm uh let's see I'm 28 so 28 years hey, we're all pretty blessed guys to be honest yeah, with absolutely you. 100% man 100% hey do you have a catchphrase uh work hard play safe that's terrible we need a, we, <laughs> we need a catchphrase you know like Warner Wolf had uh Let's go to the videotape, and then, you know, Costas, you're looking live. Or... Well, I'll tell you, my, my catchphrase that work hard, play safe came um, back in the year uh, 90 to 95. I opened a, a baseball school and softball school in Sorrento Valley. Okay. And really had some incredible athletes, both male and female, go through there. Um, and they, a lot of them went on and, and did very well in, in high school and college and so on and so forth. But I always had the, the thing on the wall, work hard play safe i mean if you're out there working hard uh you're going to be able to play a lot safer knowing what you're doing you're going to be able to handle yourself better and it's something you know i've always kind of lived by i mean that's uh, more of a motto though yeah maybe right. a, motto, a motto but we need you a, know we need a catchphrase man well, Tony, i'm not that col- i'm not that colorful okay i'm not <laughs> no. that colorful i'm a i'm a, a blue collar guy uh, I'm never going to change. That's how oh, no, I was we're gonna raised. Change you. We're changing you today. Yeah, I don't we're know gonna... if that will happen. My my mom and dad, they had a lot to say about who I am. And, oh, yeah. and God bless both of them, man. I, okay, I, I, was, raised by a, I was raised by a Yugoslavian uh, father and uh, an Irish mother from the Midwest, and I was brought up really well. Nice. Well, they've had, what, 70-something years or 60-something years. I got an hour. So I'm going <laughs> to see what I can do. <laughs> All right, folks, as you uh, as you hear this, call in and suggest a catchphrase for the coach when you call the show. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. Hey, I'm always up for something new. Yeah. Well, uh, have you done podcasts before? Uh, not my own, but right, right. I, yeah, I have. I've been yeah. guest, yes. Right. Yeah. How do you like the studio? I love it. I mean, I – God, Tony, I – kind of you know i got a nice office at home but you know i, I only have one wheaties box and you got a thousand <laughs> of them. my my one wheaties box is tony gwynn that's the one i don't have i've been trying to get i'm it, not you, trading you you can't buy it in san diego <laughs> it's just too nobody nobody parts of them so if i go out of town chicago or boston i'm going both of those places in the next year yeah, these are really nice weedy boxes up here you got a lot of michael jordan and michael vick and john Payton, elway Payton. My Walter, my favorite. I'll tell you one player. thing. I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to eat any of those Wheaties that are in those boxes. No, nope. I can tell you that. Nope, they are all very old. But the ones I like the most are like the Flutie Flakes, and the oh, Kurt yeah. Warner's Crunch Time O's. And the thing I always thought was funny, like even Richard Petty Forty Threes. Nice. I like the kind of the obscure ones. Right. And then Mark McGuire got generic Safeway Toasted O's. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I always thought that was kind of yeah, ironic. Yeah, you got some unbelievable stuff in here. Yeah, so it's not just Wheaties boxes. Where are the Yankees at? There's not a single Yankee thing in this entire office. That's so. embarrassing. That's <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. But. I had I had Aaron Judge actually offered to just sit in my office for a while. But I said no. Sign with the Cubs or Padres, you can come in. So tell me how you got into radio. What was your well the catalyst? You know, I had a really good coaching career going. Uh, I spent three years at Torrey Pines. I got a, a college uh, assistant's job as um, uh, an assistant at a junior college, Maricosta, for uh, the man that I played for, John Seeley. 
and uh, things were going well. I spent three years with him. Then I went down to Southwestern, worked with Jerry Bartow for a year. We had a great season, won the conference title, uh, did really well, set the school record for wins, and I got the assistance job and recruiting coordinator at Texas Tech University. And oh wow! The the thing that was really cool and something that I you know kind of. You know, a lot of things had to work for this to happen. But the year before I went there, they had set the school record for losses. And I became the recruiting coordinator and assistant baseball coach. And the only year I actually ended up being there, we set the school record for wins. Oh, wow. Uh, and right, now, you came in the year the year after that? Yeah, in 85, when I was at Southwestern, uh, Texas Tech lost more games than they'd ever lost in the history of their baseball program. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to be the manager. And about two days before I, I go back, after our 86 season, the head coach walks in the office. He goes, shut the door. I shut the door. He goes, I just got fired. And this is after we'd set the school record for wins. What the heck? And, well, him and the athletic director, some things had happened prior to me getting there. And he just, the athletic director wanted to go a different way. Mm. So now here I am, 28 years old, from California. Only been there one year, doing a good job. Uh, the other thing that I'm real proud of, I gotta, I gotta mention this. Please. When I got there, they had lost five guys to academics, yeah. and they had the worst male GPA in the athletic department down there with the Red Raiders at Texas Tech. A year later, or a year and a half later, when I left, we had the second best GPA. <laughs> Came back to San Diego, had no idea what I was going to do. Everybody was, our college baseball was just getting ready to start. I'd been there all fall. Now we're in late January, early February. I come back. I don't know what I'm going to do. I went up to my old high school, Torrey Pines, and Frank Chambliss, who was my high school coach my junior year, goes, hey, well, you know, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm, you know, I'm figuring out what I'm going to do here. So I go up to Carlsbad, and about the third inning, he walks over to the fence. This is an unbelievable story, Tony. He walks over to the fence, and I'm standing in between home plate and the third base dugout, and he goes, hey, do you want to coach this year? I go, Frank, I go, I can't come out here for five or 600 bucks. I got, I got a wife and two right, kids. Right. And I go, right now I'm sanding Pete, my uncle's walls and trying to help him on a remodel. And he goes, well, a guy wants to talk to you. I go, who's that? He goes, a guy named John Lynch. Ah. And I go, well, who's he? Well, what's he do? He goes, well, he owns 17 radio stations. And I go, what's his phone number? Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was on a Wednesday. So I go over to talk to Mr. Lynch at his house. He lives in Solana Beach like I. I get all dressed up in a suit, and I go over there on a Sunday afternoon, bang on the door, and we go sit on the patio. And he goes, I, I hear you're a pretty good coach. I go, well, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. He goes, well. I'm uh, sorry. Now, how old were you at this point? Yeah, I'm about 28 20 years. years old. Okay. And so we're sitting on the patio, and he goes, well, why don't you come down to the radio station on uh, Wednesday, and, and let's talk more about this. But you know, I'd like you to coach at Torrey Pines. So I go back down there the next day. He's there. He apologizes. And uh, so he goes, well, why don't you work here? I don't know exactly what I'm going to have you do yet, but I'd like you to work here at the radio stadium. I want you to coach baseball at Torrey Pines. And he wrote me a check, Tony. He goes, take the first month off and go coach baseball. What? Well, yeah. He wrote me a nice check. Okay? Wow. And so I, I, I go out of there, and I, I come home, and, man, I walk in the door, I hand my wife a check, and she goes, wow, what's this for? And I go, I'm going to coach baseball at Torrey Pines. And so anyways, to kind of get you going on this, so I'm back at Torrey Pines where I played, where I where I started coaching. Right. And I'm working with Frank, and I told Mr. Lynch I'd do it for one year, one year. So about 
three weeks uh, in, the football coach stops me. I'm going out to practice. I got my fungo bat. I always carry my fungo bat around, even though Who I doesn't? work mostly in college <laughs> now with pitchers. I, uh, I'm carrying my fungo, and the football coach stops me. He goes, hey. He goes, uh, I want to talk to you. Would you like to be the freshman football coach next year? I go, well, you know, I, I don't know. I go, I played football, and I go, my dad played football. My brother played football. And they go, well, they tell me you're a pretty good coach. Are you a guy that believes that you can coach anything if you work at it? I go, absolutely. Yeah. So I went home and told my wife next day I'd become the freshman football coach. Now, here, here's the great part of this story. Oh, uh, we already had the great part. About two weeks <laughs> later, the basketball coach stops me. No. Same situation. I'm walking out. got my fungo <laughs> on my way to the practice field. And the basketball coach stops me and goes, hey, I'd like to talk to you for a minute. And I go, yeah, how you doing? I'm John Cantera. And he goes, Coach John Farrell. And I go, yeah, I know who you are. I go, I saw you guys play last Christmas. And he goes, hey, how would you like to be the freshman basketball coach and be the varsity <laughs> assistant and work with the post players? And I go, well, how do you know I know anything about basketball? And I was kind of being a wise guy, and he goes, well, I saw how big you were, and I started asking questions, and I found out that you were the first real good player to come out of here. I go, that you're right about. That right. <laughs> so to make a long story short, I came back. I started working in the radio business. I'll, I'll give you more of that in a minute. But I ended up coming back. I coached seven more years of baseball at oh, Torrey. Wow. I coached the freshman football team the first year. They liked what I did. They moved me right to the varsity, worked with the offensive line. Nice. And I coached two years of basketball, uh, and my freshman teams did well. But my var- our varsity team, I worked under a great coach by the name of John Farrell. We won a combined 60-5 and five in two years, and uh, we were one of the top teams in the state. We beat Eddie O'Bannon's team, the great star out of UCLA. Oh, yeah. We beat him his junior year when he was at Artesia. We won a CIF title and uh, just an incredible run. And then I also coached three or two years. My oldest daughter, Brooke, I coached her uh, two years in fast-pitch softball at Torrey. So wow. you know, I got to come back and do a lot of coaching. Now, did you, did you coach uh, badminton? Uh, no, but uh, they would have probably liked me to, Tori. <laughs> I was going to say, if you'd have carried your fungal. But, you know, I, I got ba- to back up. The reason John Lynch wanted me to coach was he had a son, and I didn't know about his son because I'd been gone for a couple of years. His son was John Lynch, who's now a Hall of Fame pro Hall football Fame, player. Yeah. Uh, Johnny played for me three years in baseball. He played a year for me when I was coaching football. Uh, to this day, uh, we're extremely close. That's I, awesome. I text him about two hours before every kickoff, and within three minutes, Tony, he'll get back to me. So and you could probably get him on the podcast. I, I can get him on just about <laughs> anything. I mean, uh, uh, well, when we're sitting up after his first mini camp in his house, uh, we were watching SportsCenter at uh, ESPN, and he even asked me if I, I thought he should marry his wife or ask wow. her. And, you know, Linda Albright, I went to school uh, with her brother and known her dad, and they've been married for years now. But, yeah, I remember Johnny came back from his first mini camp, and uh, we were watching SportsCenter one night at his, his parents' house. Uh, about 1130, he goes, hey, what do, you, what do you think about me marrying Linda? Well, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I'd say. Oh, you hear that? Oh, that's that's our warning. So that's our two-minute topic. Okay, so you have two minutes, and the rules are very, very simple. You can talk up to two minutes. As soon as you say something wrong, dumb, or stammer, and I'm a sole judge, then I get to cut in and cut you off and take the rest of your time. Okay. You can go two minutes without being interrupted, but we'll see. So our first topic on that is one... And before we before we get started on this, guys, if you want to know Coach Contreras' deep sports 
takes and his opinions and, and his philosophies. You have one of the most accessible shows I've ever seen. I mean, you take calls. You let Derek on the air. <laughs> if you want to know how he feels about the Padres, if you want to know how I feel, who's going to win the Super Bowl, I mean, we might touch on some of that here, but I think your sports talk gets it's accessible enough. If people want to know that, they have an avenue to find that. I want to get a little bit more inside you and inside your head and do some stuff like that. What's your call screening process like? Is there someone who sits there, and, and how many get weeded out? Uh, they can, or they'll just stay on hold forever. <laughs> <laughs> now, Braden uh, Serpentard, who's my uh, producer, and he uh, spent some time with me on the air as well. He uh, he does a little bit of everything, runs the board uh, on the air with me, and he screens the calls as well. And, you know, I mean, we've been doing this a long time. Yeah. And uh, Now, Braden, when, before Braden's start- probably nicer than I am uh, when it comes to screening calls. But, uh, you know, every once in a while we'll get a regular that maybe isn't somebody we really want on the air. So we may, you know, keep them uh, on. online a little bit longer than normal. So, Braden, before we came on the air, is that the entitled millennial that you were talking about who works with you? Is that the well, I don't know if I, I don't know about millennials. I mean, sometimes I think he grew up around the Cathedral Catholic uh, uh, campus, and that's what he knows well. And he went to TCU, and so you know, he's one of those private school guys. Yeah, uh, okay. You know, right. he's kind of been in the bubble a little bit. I had a, a question one when I told some people were coming. Zach in El Cajon, uh, his Twitter handle is PadreZach69, and it's funny that he didn't even know the Padres were founded in '69. So I think he was just being adolescent. But he wants to know whenever he calls in, the call screener says he's too stupid to breathe, let alone get on the air. Why would somebody tell Zach that? I can't uh, imagine uh, my, my guy would say that. I would hope not. As you know, we here at Tony on the Mic like to be accurate and we like to be fair. And to be fair, Coach never called Braden an entitled millennial. That, that was me. And then uh, Padre Zach 69 is a fictional Zach who kept bugging me about when is this podcast going to be up. So he never actually got told he was stupid by anybody well, other than me. Now, I want to be a lot nicer to my listeners. No, you are not. You're, you're, you're nice almost to a fault because sometimes you get chucklehead callers who just ramble on and on and on. And I don't know how you do it. Two minutes. Two minutes. We're well over on our on our siren, so you got two minutes on the rest of the Padres season and how their deals they made will work out and go. Uh, to this point, uh, the deals have not worked out in any way, shape, or form. Uh, hopefully, uh, Josh Shader, we saw him uh, the other night close out a game for the first time uh, in a long time with some conviction. He, he came back uh, last night, looked good out there on the mound. Uh, Juan Soto's got to become a little bit more aggressive, a little too passive for me at the plate. Uh, you don't walk into the Hall of Fame. He's a guy that needs to swing the bat. They didn't bring him in here to walk, okay? Uh, somebody said to me the other day, I was listening to uh, Oral Hershiser and Joe Davis, and Joe Davis was saying to Oral Hershiser, hey, they're starting to boo Juan Soto down there in San Diego. And Oral Hershiser said, oh, the fans don't like walks? And that was a nice backhanded slap at Juan Soto. Josh Bell's a really good major league player. I think he's fighting himself right now. So the trades at this point have not worked out anywhere near the way you would like. And also Brandon Drury. Brandon Drury, uh, hopefully Saturday, going to come off the concussion protocol list and get back in there and, and help the ball club. I think the Padres have not played their best baseball. I think that they can get in the playoffs. Once they get into the playoffs, it's a new season. Maybe there's some pressure off. I'm just not sure. This has been a weird ball 
football club all year long, and I think Bob Melvin is pulling his hair out right now, trying to get these guys to play just a little bit better night in and night out. That was actually, you had five more seconds. Do you want to throw anything on there about Tatis or something? No. No, okay. <laughs> no we'll wait till spring training for him. Now, when you started, you were working with, uh, like, Hacksaw and Jim Rome, or at least, you know, yeah. peripherally. And, oh, uh, absolutely. And Steve Hartman. Steve Hartman, great guy. Who else Who else was in that? Oh, uh, Chet Forty. Ch- oh, Chet. From- Chet Forty, uh, unfortunately, passed away uh, back in uh, May of 1996. Uh, Chet played, a, uh, I think, a bigger role than he would admit. Uh, John Lynch wanted to get me on the air. And I started my high school show on Saturday mornings in 1990. Wow, And I had a variety of different guys that uh, were like the co-hosts the first couple of weeks. I had Brad Sesmat, who's my buddy oh, over I in Arizona. Yeah. Uh, Randy Hahn, who's now the voice of the San Jose Sharks and nice. has been for many years. Jim Rome hosted uh, a Saturday show with me. But once I got my feet wet after a few weeks, they let me start doing it on my own. And, and then uh, in 90, we did it in the mornings. 1991 is when we, we started and, and had a 25-year run on Friday nights. Who's the best San Diego high school quarterback you've ever seen? And you know you're going to get buzzed if you don't give the right answer. Well, your your, your son had a hell of a career. There's okay. no question about that. <laughs> but uh, to this point, um, I did a playoff game a few years ago, and it was the most impressive high school performance I've ever seen by any quarterback uh, in San Diego, and that's Tyler Buckner, the starting quarterback right now oh, for Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Uh, if he can stay healthy, I think he'll play in the NFL. I mean, yeah. he, uh, staying healthy is going to be hard because he got beat up pretty good even in high school. But he can throw it, but he can run too. Yeah, we, uh, no, he played Grossmont. I called a game with him at quarterback. Another guy. And we'd go way back, uh, Sean Salisbury, who uh, oh, went on and, yeah. and Sean played at Orange Glen, went to SC, and then went and played in the played NFL, the Chargers, played with the Chargers right and played with the Colts and uh, won a, a great cup up in Canada. Uh, those guys, uh, I would think, are probably right there. The other guy, Jim Plum, who didn't have a great career right. at Helix or at uh, San Diego State, had a great career at Helix. He played for a great guy in Jim Arnaz, and they had plenty of weapons. I mean, they had the Durden brothers over there at that time. They had oh, okay. Carl Durrell. Now, the the business has changed. I mean, I, I was in broadcast journalism from Mount Hood Community College, Go Saints, and uh, was going to get into broadcasting but back then 84 85 ish there was no like real sports radio there was no espn to speak of there were definitely no talking heads it was all your your best case scenario and what i wanted to be was the local sports guy who came on for four minutes after the weather you know and talked about all the highlights and so i i dj'd at a country radio station for a little while then a top 40 radio station and i just i just didn't see a path and it's not easy and and i i regret now because had had you like like you put in the work laid the groundwork and did your you know starting with saturday shows and whatever else you have an opportunity to do some things but now like what do you what do you think of the 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 successful i say in air quotes the screamers like your stephen a smith and your skip bayless and i mean even jim rome has become kind of a screamer and because spoiler alert i i i hate it um you know, I, I'm not a big fan of the guys that yell. And, you know, I, I like to, to talk with my audience, not yeah. at my audience. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the business has changed. It's all about, uh, you know, being colorful. Hot and, takes. And, and hot takes and, and being first, not necessarily being right. Yeah. 
and, and that's sure. a big uh, part of it. Uh, that that's where it's really changed with Twitter. Everybody wants to get their uh, name out there and get that story, and a lot of times those stories are incorrect. Yeah, and they'll come sure. back 15 minutes later and correct it, but the damage has already been done. I. Yep. I don't know. I, I look at it, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith's never been one of my favorite guys. Skip Bayless just, I mean, he grinds on certain athletes, and I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, he bugs me. Uh, you know, Romy's Romy. I mean, I, I've known Jim since, you know, we both were here in San Diego. We used to do high school football games together. I worked quite a bit with Jim early on before yeah. he got his own show. Yeah. He's, uh, it's funny because I, I really liked Jim Rome when I was much younger, and it seems like my taste has grown, and I, I still like him. I, th- I think he's... You're trying to say you've matured. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to find a nice way to say it, and matured is probably the nicest. Well, I was going to say I outgrew that silly nonsense. Here's that sound, that siren. All right, here we go. Let's see. You got two minutes on college football and the new playoff format that's coming and compare it to the bulls two minutes two minutes and go i uh i think i like the the new uh, playoffs uh, it's taken me a while i mean i i'm i'm an old school guy i didn't necessarily like hey the top two teams in the uh, the AP rating, they're right, going to play the for the national championship. Right. I, I never bought that. I mean, you got to have some kind of playoff. I like the four-team playoff right now. It's obviously being dominated by the SEC. Uh, you could throw the Big Ten. Big 12 really hadn't been a player. The Pac-12, definitely not a player. And the ACC, they're so far down, you need a periscope yep. to find them. And now you're buzzed. Clemson. Clemson's well, ACC. Well, no, no, they are, but uh, that one school out of the whole conference, okay? They're national champions. Well, yeah, but they aren't right now. No, but they were. Yeah, but well, well, okay, we'll give Clint, we'll give okay. Dabo a little love, okay? Okay, <laughs> all right. But at the end of the day, the the twelve is going to be good, and I like it because they're going to give the top four yes. a bye. Yes. The other thing, I think having the bowl games. I love the bowl games. I don't want to devalue the bowl games. I think they're going to find a way not to do that. I do like that first weekend where the higher seed will get to host at their campus. Yeah, that that's important because how many times can you ask the fans to travel? I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, some of these guys they got a lot of money. They can go everywhere they want, but there are a lot of people that really care. They're devoted yeah. fans. You got to give them a home game well, so they can still have some money to go to a road game if they advance. Since since you've been buzzed and you get interrupted now, we can go off on that tangent. Um, okay. I I agree, and I I loved the bowl games. I loved the traveling. By I the way, the, the ACC game. sucks. To be <laughs> honest with you, they <laughs> I, really do. Def- I'm just saying. You say it's do- you say it's dominated by X Y Z, which I won't disagree with. Georgia, Alabama, or you know, every year. Ohio State, you throw them in, and, right? And, and oh, the Big Ten. Clemson, I mean, Ohio State, but Clemson yeah. is is part of the ACC. And no, they are part of the program, so you can't completely just. And not only do they play cupcakes in the non-conference, they play cupcakes during their conference. Clemson How about that? Clemson is a national champion, so they won the playoff. I'll just I'll just rest it there. Army was a national champion back in the forties. <laughs> yeah, they didn't make Mr. Inside, no Mr. Playoff. Outside. Come there on, there was no playoffs. <laughs> huh? uh, Doc Blanchard, Glenn Davis. You got it. Dang right, I got it. Tony, I'm going to tell you, we, we could talk until we're blue in the face on this situation. I'm going to bring up a subject kind of off topic to a degree, but I think, it, show, I, I think it's something that's really important, okay? And 
it's like these guys that not so much the NIL and that we'll see where that goes in the future. Right, it's still right. very fresh. But you know, I, I watch the highlights. You know, I stay up late on Saturday night after that last gun goes off of the final uh, Pac-12 uh, after dark game, and yep. I'll, I'll watch all the highlights and I'll see these guys from all the different schools running up and down. And they're talking about this guy's this and that, and the guy'll go to the NFL and he'll never make it out of training camp. Okay, so I'm watching one year a guy running up and down. Everybody's talking about how he's going to be the next great back in the NFL at some, you know, Tuskegee Institute or something. Right. And everybody at the university knows his name and loves him, and they're printing his jersey in the bookstore. Less than 12 months later, this guy's out of football, trying to figure out what happened. And a lot of these guys, it comes down to mental health. I, I worry so much. And I'll, I'll be very honest. When John Lynch retired from the National Football League, I was concerned. Because John Lynch, not that his identity was being a football player. I mean, a lot of times you, you take on your who how people oh, yeah. look at you. Yeah. Running out of that tunnel. And Junior Seau is an example. Yeah. There was nothing Junior was ever going to be able to do the rest of his life. Yes. That was going to bring him more satisfaction than running out of that tunnel at Qualcomm Stadium on a Sunday afternoon under that hot sun and pumping his fist up in the air and having 60,000 people go crazy. I don't care what Junior did in his life, and he did a lot of really good things. Yeah. But a lot of guys, they can't recover from that. They can't recover from it, and it's really, really sad. And, and I worry about a lot of these athletes that have been pampered. They've been the big man on campus right. from high school to college. They don't make it in the pros, or they make it for a short time and get hurt, and all of a sudden their career's over like that. Yeah. And, and they have a hard time going through the rest of their life without saying, yeah, I, I played at Georgia, I was all SEC or whatever. Yeah. They have a hard time overcoming that, and a lot of them can't overcome it, and they become, you know, uh, alcoholics, drug addicts, whatever is going to pacify them. It, it, it's really something that needs to be talked about and discussed a little bit more. And I, I, I don't think we have the, we have the capacity to fix the problem because primarily the ego of youth coaches and high school coaches who want to win games and get their name and their record so they treat they they cut a lot of slack to the really good athletes they say you know okay you don't have to do this or you can do that or you're so great you're so great then when they're in a point in their life where they're not so great anymore where they used to be great it's hard well i, I will tell you and, and there's a lot of things now i'm glad i'm not coaching right now yeah it's very difficult I mean, if a guy doesn't play, uh, you know, he walks out of that locker room and he goes and looks for that transfer portal. Right. And so you've got to re-recruit your players almost after every game or every yeah. practice or every season. And they've got to get some rules on that transfer portal. But let, let me give you an example here. My, my thought process, you know, before NIL and having to smooch the rear end of all your players <laughs> right. on a daily basis, my, my philosophy was I had very few rules. But the rules I had, I was – steadfast we're going to follow the rules you know be on time be a good teammate give me a maximum effort like in baseball give me a hard 90 don't don't you know if you hit a ball back to the pitcher don't jog to first base and right. and not get to the first base bag hey we're going to run hard we're going to hit the front part of the bag and and then we'll jog over to the the first base or third base dugout play the game and don't don't uh, cheat the game Okay, because, you know, I, I kind of the old Joe DiMaggio, Joe, they said to Joe, why do you play so hard every day? Because 
There may be someone, it's the only time they're going to ever see me play, and I want them to know that Joe DiMaggio is one hell of a ball player, and I'm not going to cheat the fans that come in. But my philosophy on handling my players, I'd rather early in the year nail one of my really good players because if I nailed one of my really good players, the other guys would go, God, look at what Crazy Cantera did with so-and-so, and and he's our best player. What would he have done if it was me? Okay, I want to strike the fear of God in them a little bit. But, you know, they had to, you know, toe the line. And, you know, we didn't have too many problems. Yeah, when you coach for as many years as I did, which was about 17, you're going to have some problems. I mean, I've dealt some with some really weird things. And, uh, unfortunately, I've had to deal with a couple of parent suicides. And, and, and that was very difficult. But you Parent know, suicide. Yeah, parent, where parents committed suicide while wow. their kids were playing for me. Wow. You know. Problems at home, and oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the and, and the parents okay. committed suicide. It's tough. I had, okay. You, now you now you made it awkward. Uh, well, you know what? It's gonna, life. I mean, no, those are no. Things it's we just because that's about. that's shocking. That's stunning to me, and that's absolutely worth discussing. But I was going to talk about Joe DiMaggio, who my last interview with with um, Dale Dale Lindsay uh-huh. said he had dinner with Joe DiMaggio once in a, wow. in a group not just the two of them was Marilyn there and he no <laughs> I asked him that but he ordered he ordered tea and and I uh, you know everybody's like tea come on tea and he goes yeah I hate coffee I've never you know but Mr. Coffee exactly it was Mr. Coffee um, but the, the the mental health issue again I think we started so young because these young athletes who, the, the again, the parent, now he threw me for a loop. I'm, I'm typically really prepared. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough issue, but it needs to be talked about and yeah. brought out, and people need to be made more aware of it. Yeah, and but again, I think it go, goes to, it's just sports, and it's just youth high school sports. It's just youth sports. And we have to, we have to keep that in mind because I think too many – parents too many coaches try and make it more important than it is especially the wins and the losses can i take you out to the sidelines of a soccer game on saturday and maybe a fast pitch softball game on sunday afternoon no i'm not (laughs) saying i'm saying they that's how they should be more people should 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 understand that's not life or death you got to play the game because you enjoy the game and when you enjoy the game you get better and you're going to want to do it more right yes 100 percent 100 percent Got something there? You yeah, raise your I hand. I want to interject here real quick because the whole mental health aspect of college athletes is really important because my son had to deal with that at Washington oh, yeah. State. And I hesitate to say the player's name because I don't want to insult the family, but, you know, Mason played high school football at Helix. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> And went up to Washington State. Well, okay, all right, I'm all right with that. And they had a suicide, suicide yeah. of a quarterback, and this kid was going to be the guy. He was going to be the guy. He's the starting quarterback at Wazoo, and that really negatively impacted. My son. Oh, I'm certain. Let alone the family. Right, right. Of the quarterback. And in a nutshell, how did he deal with that? If you don't mind me asking, did he struggle with that quite a bit? He did not deal with it well. Really? Yeah. He He may not be the only one. No, I'm sure he's not. Yeah, I was. I was trying to use your kid as a representation of the team. So if he struggled, 
you have to imagine the whole the whole team. Oh, it was just so shocking because here you have a kid, a college athlete, and Wazoo is really good at the time. Oh, the yeah. time that my son spent at Wazoo, I mean, they did really well in the Pac-12. Yeah. Really well at the time. They probably would have done pretty well in a decent conference. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But you know, you've got this kid. I mean, he's the face, face of yeah. the franchise, yes. if you will. Yeah, like absolutely. He's the guy. But there was obviously something going on in this young man's life when it seemed like he was on top of the world and then it ends has there been any speculation or investigation I don't want to turn this into I, a I have no idea Okay. <laughs> now you made a tough transition uh, hey we're talking about the, the real life thing here yeah. and it's affected yeah. a lot of athletes and it continues to affect a lot of athletes uh, around the country at all levels I, you know, I'll just throw this in real quick Tony I mean Derek played at San Diego State played for Jim Dietz played a little minor league baseball and when his career came to an end, you know, I, I don't know how much he felt it at the time, but he could probably look back. It's probably, you know, pretty depressing. I mean, because you're used to every afternoon going yep. to the ballpark, oh, yeah. and that's your routine. I mean, yeah. when I got hurt in college and I knew I wasn't going to be able to play any longer at, at a high level, you know, it's depressing. Even though I was coaching, it kind of gave me a little bit of a buffer. It's like I was mentioning John Lynch. You know, I was concerned about Johnny when he retired from the National Football League, but Johnny was able to jump right in the Fox booth and become a broadcaster right away. And then he gets the opportunity to be the 49ers general manager. And they asked Johnny, why did you want to be a general manager? You had this great gig with Fox. He goes, because I missed the scoreboard. Ah, uh, nice. And he's a great competitor. Great yeah. guy, by the way. Yeah. You're going set to set us up with a podcast at some point <laughs> when you talk to him. So I got some great advice from Derek, by the way, on my podcast. He said, if you interview more famous people, then you'll have better ratings. <laughs> Genius. Uh, you know what? Wow. I, you know, I, I think everybody's got a story to tell. I mean, when Me I came too. down here tonight, I didn't think we'd be talking about mental health of athletes. No, but, you know, no, you get neither. talking and, you know, you, you look at the big picture. Yeah. We're talking about what's best for athletes. I mean, there, yeah. there are a lot of things going on right now where a lot of athletes, to a certain degree, are exploited. Oh, uh, that goes without saying. Yeah. But they're also... Uh, a lot of things going on in a athletics that, um, you know, the, the, I've always felt, and that's why I think kids like playing for me, was I always did what was best for my players, not what was best for me, maybe career-wise. I, I know you have to win at the college right. level, right. but my whole thing was developing, and if you develop, you're going to win your fair share of baseball yep. games. you got to also remember, I grew up here in, in San Diego, and, and back in the day when I was growing up, John Wooden was the basketball coach at UCLA. And I went to his camps for a Pyramid couple of years. Absolutely, I got one because nice. my junior year, in between my sophomore and junior year, I went to his camp, and uh, I was on the camp champs. And I and, and our present was uh, a plaque of the Pyramid of Success. But you know, I learned a lot from Coach Wooden. I think a lot of people did that are my age that grew up mm -hmm. in that time frame. But you know, I've tried to take things from a lot of different coaches in football, basketball, baseball, and you know, and just try to you know continue. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever coach again. But if I do, I'll be better the second time around in some ways maybe than I was the first time around. And I think most people would have looked at my coaching career and said I was pretty successful. 
man, you can always get better. Oh, Just I like do. in the radio business, every day I try to get a little bit better. Yeah. Do you have you have grandkids, right? Yeah, I got uh, five with a sixth one on the way. Wow. How, how old is what is the age range? Uh, I got three girls that are uh, 13, 9, and 8. Okay. And they're all playing uh, competitive sports right now. I've got a grandson that's four. He's already getting ready for his second year of T-ball. Uh, I've got another one that's two years old, and uh, he'll probably follow like his brother, play a little T-ball first. And then I've got a, another little girl on the way that will be born uh, in, um, I think it's going to be March. Okay. So ever tempted to jump in and help on some of those teams it's not as high profile but uh not right now at some point probably yeah. I, i'm more concerned uh, right now my my oldest granddaughter's uh uh 13 going to be 14 in october and she's uh, very involved with uh club volleyball okay. and i want her to get her prepared for her freshman year next year at tory pines nice my my daughter's is back but right around 13 14 she lost her mind she, <laughs> I became the, from, you know, a man who could do no wrong, you know, an immortal walking around on floating on air to the stupidest person on the planet. Well, that happens for about two years, yeah, usually uh, seventh and eighth grade. Then by the time they're, you know, maybe midway through their ninth grade year, all of a sudden you don't look all that bad any longer. Well, my daughter was clearly on the advanced path because it lasted <laughs> <laughs> a little longer than that, but she's back. So it's all good. Actually, That's great. She's working here. She doesn't have any air conditioning, and her air conditioning at her place went out. So she she gets to work from home. So she's been working here, which has been nice. It's been nice to you know have her kind of live here, even though you know she bristle at the notion that I said she lived here. Let's quickly move to the NFL. We kind of have the Rams Bills game on in the background, or uh, haven't been paying too much attention. But let's uh, okay, let's get on record for our Super Bowl teams. Who do, who do you got going to the Super Bowl? Hmm. I, I think uh, I think uh, Tom Brady probably th- this right. will be his swan song, and I think they're probably surrounded him. He got a good set of receivers. That defense yeah. is pretty good. Todd Bowles, yeah. who's going to take over for Arians, I hope he does a good job yeah. and has success because I think he's a really good football coach. But you know, it's kind of like, and I mentioned this on the talk show the other day. Uh, a guy, uh, anybody that's coached with the Raiders and it doesn't work out, I always kind of give him a little bit of a mulligan. <laughs> and I do the same thing with Todd Bowles having coached for the New York Jets. I think yes. they wouldn't give him that job in Tampa Bay unless Brady probably pretty right, much signed right, off on right. it. And so I, I'm going to go with Brady. In, uh, in the uh, uh, AFC, uh, I'm going to uh, – I maybe – I guess i got to go with Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah, I guess I got to go with Buffalo. Yeah, that's that's a little chalky, but that's actually who I have to. I have I have, well, no, I take that back. I have the Rams. I have the Rams getting back and losing. Yeah, I think the Rams. Uh, you know, they may have a little bit of the hangover effect. We'll Rewind. have to wait and see. I don't yeah. see if Aaron Donald hits any more guys with helmets or anything. Yeah, Aaron Donald is a generational monster. He's incredible. Derek, who you got? What do you got? Kansas City Buffs. Okay, uh, Bucks. Okay, I Kansas City buffs. and Buffalo. No, They're both in the no, AFC, Derek. No, Bucks. Derek. I'm just kidding. Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> versus the Kansas City. And who's going to win? Tom Terrific. All right. right. So we yeah, win. I got ter- Tom Terrific winning, too. I, if it's going to be his last game, I can't see him losing. All right. What do we got? Any uh, any sleepers? Any teams you think are going to jump up? I'm going to tell you who I think uh, is going to surprise everyone. Who's that? That's the Denver Broncos. Yeah. All right. Uh, Russell Wilson, one of my favorite players in the National yeah. Football League. He's all about class. 
Uh, I think he's going to be rejuvenated. I think they've got some very good receivers there, and I think that defense is real good. I, I think they're going to that that division is going to be crazy good. Yeah. So nobody said the obvious choice: the Bears. The Bears. Wow. <laughs> why? Why would you? <laughs> Brian song, perhaps the best sports movie ever. Oh, Tearjerker. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But my Bears are going to struggle this year. <laughs> the I Bears. Grew, I grew up in Chicago. <laughs> the Bears. <laughs> um. Oh, it, here we go again. Oh, there's the there, siren. Yeah, that's it. That's uh, right. you know what that means. Two minutes, Derek. This time I'm going to go to you. Oh. No, I'm not. No. We're going to go no, to. Please, please don't. <laughs> This is on youth sports and participation trophies. Totally 100% against uh, participation trophies. Youth sports, uh, it should be, you know, especially at the lower levels of youth sports like t-ball, don't even keep score. Don't even keep score. Well, why are you keeping score so you can puff your chest out and tell everybody your t-ball team your won on Saturday <laughs> afternoon? I mean, come on. Participation trophies. I'm just not a fan. Everybody thinks they should be given something that you got to work hard for. Give them a certificate for participation. That's great. Give them a little piece of paper they can put in their scrapbook. But as far as a trophy, and I think about all the trophies I have at home. I'm proud of every one of them because I work my tail off. Okay, not just because I went out there and played. Should you get a trophy? A trophy should be for a championship. And I don't think in Little League, if you want to give a trophy to the, the minor B uh, League uh, champion, great, that's fine. They were the number one team. It gives somebody else in that minor league B division an opportunity to get better and try to you know, uh, either move up a division or win it next year or stay in the same division and, and win that trophy. But I'm not for participation trophies whatsoever. I'm for kids going out, busting their butt, learning how to play the sport, get better, work with their moms and dads at home, and, and come out and, and play and, and do the best you can. But participation trophies... It, it, no, not everybody should get a pat on the back and say good job. You should get a, uh, a a pat on the back for playing your tail off. But again, to put a trophy up on your mantle when you're four years old just because you competed and played twelve t-ball games, nah, I'm not. I'm not buying that one. Sorry. So, what do you think about uh, the specialization? Accepting that it's kind of a reality now, but. It, you know, we were we were very fortunate. You know, Anthony and uh, Richie, my other son, and Bella, they all play multiple sports. And, you know, Anthony was good enough that the coaches didn't fight. Right there, you much. just said it. He was good enough. Right, right. And um, and Richie played track and football. You know, they're complimentary. They're off-season. Right. And Bella did track and basketball until she didn't like the coach anymore and decided to quit. And it was funny because I said, okay. You know, she wasn't going, she wasn't getting a basketball scholarship, and she's playing basketball, and if she's not having fun, she's not loving it, there's no reason to do it. No, you don't want it to be drudgery. Right, Once exactly. it becomes drudgery, it's time to, it's to announce uh, your retirement. You, you mentioned pat on the back for good effort. I'm 100% in favor of patting people on the back for good effort. My pet peeve is when parents will sit there and go, good try, Johnny, and it's like, that was not a good try. 
He Johnny did not try. Well, Johnny was <laughs> picking his nose and looking at the cars yeah. in the parking lot and not watching the ball. Right, or whatever it is. That's not a good try. And that's that's my I'm all about effort and journey. Destination will take care of itself. Put in the effort, take the journey, destination will get there. I'm not the idea that and that's what so my whole thing is try. Work for me. Try. Do what you can do. Try. Every day. Try a little harder. And so when people say good try because they think that's what they should say to their kids as encouragement, that makes me insane. Good try, Johnny. Thanks, Dad. Do you remember the first time you went on the air? And let me set this up because I remember my first show, Campus Radio. And this is exactly what I said, and I still have a cassette of it somewhere. Good morning, KMHD. My name is Tony Lawrence, and I don't know about you, but I'm ready to start something. Michael Jackson. And I played <laughs> Gotta Be Starting Something by Michael Jackson. That was my fir- that was off the walls big at the time. That was my first time talking into a microphone. And it, it does ring out. I mean, I've done over 100 podcasts. I've done hundreds of weddings and corporate speaking and things like that. But in terms of being on the air, I had a very short window. <laughs> That's why I think I remember. Do you remember the first, maybe not the first conversation, but the first time you were on the air? Well, you know, I, I've been interviewed as a as a coach before, right. but and you know that's one thing. But when uh, you go in the studio, and like I said, those Saturday morning shows in 1990 when I first got on the air, I had someone doing all the ins and outs. Uh, the ins and outs were the toughest, to yes, be honest yeah. with you. Well, I mean, sometimes I, yeah, remembering yeah. your name's tough when yeah. you're first learning, you know, getting the, the formatics down of in and out of the breaks. Yep. Uh, but, yeah, I remember. I mean, it was a struggle because I didn't go to school to be a broadcast. I went to school to be a coach, and, and I was on this, this great path that all of a sudden got derailed. Yeah. And, and then Mr. Lynch gave me the opportunity and a good market of San Diego to oh, throw, yeah. me on the, throw me on the air. <laughs> Um, who, give me, I mean, Tony Gwynn and Junior Seau, big names, of course, but give me a, give me a surprise, really good guest that you've talked to. Uh, probably the most impressive guest I've ever talked to, and this is not to mean anyone. Right, right, right. Uh, probably the most impressive person I've ever talked to uh, regarding sports at any level is Billie Jean King. Wow. You know, she uh, was in, made an appearance a few years ago. Uh, they had this tennis team in San Diego, and she was a part of the yeah. league in that. And uh, I don't know, for some reason, Tony, I go, you know what? I don't need to go to this press conference, but I want to go. I want to I hear what this lady has to say. Right. So I threw a suit on, and I, I drove out. They were staying at this place out in Rancho, Santa Fe, and that's where they were holding the press conference. And so after the press conference was over, I went up and asked her. I, took, I had my little phone, and I said, could I interview you? She goes, yes. And I, I've still got the interview to this wow, day. That's and, awesome. But I, I got to tell you, she's an impressive lady. I mean, she's got a good vision of, of the life and, and sports. And, you know, she's a minority order in the Dodgers now. I did not. But know no, she's a, she was very impressive. You know, I got an opportunity to uh, interview uh, John Wooden. Wow. Now, here's the great thing about John Wooden John Wooden was such a down to earth man. And, you know, he's been passed away a number of years ago, but, you know, he was well into his 90s. And, we had his home phone number, and if you called, you could just call his house. It wasn't like you had to go through wow. UCLA. You could call his house, and if he didn't pick up, uh, you could leave a message. He'd call you back. And so, anyways, I get him on, and I go, Coach Wooden, this is a great honor to, to have you on my radio station. I followed you all those years at UCLA, and I had the opportunity. I was very fortunate to go to two of your basketball camps, uh, one at uh, um, Cal Lutheran and the other at Pepperdine, he goes, uh, what was the first thing I taught you? 
And I go, the first thing you taught me was how to put my shoes and socks on. Ah, now, that, that, everybody yeah. laughs about that. No, no. But John really. Wooden was big on how you properly put your socks on and your shoes on and how you took your shoes off to where you wouldn't hurt the ligaments in your ankle and he, how you open your, your tongue up and made sure to dry out and uh, put your socks on tight so you wouldn't get blisters. I mean, yeah. it's pretty amazing. I interviewed Herschel Walker once upon a time, Duke wow. Snyder. Wow. Yeah. Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Yeah, you know, funny story I'll tell you about Duke Snyder. You know, he lived in Fallbrook for, for years and years. So I, I, I met him, and I had him on my show. And we do this great interview, and I don't know, about a year later, I'm at the Hall of Fame. Dave Winfield's being inducted in the Hall of Fame, and they sent me back to, to be a part uh, of, of the whole thing. And I eventually that week interviewed Dave. and uh, But I was doing all my shows from the Hall of Fame. So the one night with the Eastern time and all that, I was doing Hacksaw's time slot that week. So I was getting off pretty late East Coast time. They had this, like, cocktail party and hors d'oeuvres, and all these Hall of Famers are coming in while I'm wow. sitting there yelling and screaming back to Southern California about sports. <laughs> Commercial break. Duke Snyder walks over to me and goes, Hey, Coach. I go, what, what's up, Duke? He goes, you were talking about something the other day, and I, I, I totally disagreed with you. Yeah. And I go, well, Duke, why didn't you call me? He goes, well, I wasn't close to a phone. And I go, Duke, thanks for listening. Right, right. <laughs> How about that? Duke Snyder <laughs> comes over and goes, hey, Coach, amazing. I, I disagreed with you on something. I know that, that made my whole trip, man. Oh, that that yeah. was awesome. That Duke is, Snyder was listening to my show. That is incredible. So, uh, coming off your high of Duke Snyder, who are some of the um, crumbums? We'll call them. How, who, who's been a bad interview? Who are who? I mean, and I, you obviously don't have to throw anybody under the bus if you don't want to. But anybody who was kind of either self-absorbed or disrespectful or anything like that, do you have any? No, uh, I will. Uh, no, not really. Never mind. <laughs> That siren again. Here we go. There we go. There we go. Here, uh, two minutes on the clock. This two-minute topic: the Chargers. They're leaving. Their possibility of coming back, and their prospects. Two minutes. Two minutes. Uh, well, as far as them leaving, I never thought Dean Spanos would actually uh, follow through on that. He actually told me to my face uh, back in 1997. Uh, that they would, he would never move the Chargers out of San Diego. Obviously, a lot of things changed over the years. You went through a lot of mayors here, uh, a lot of city council members. There are a lot of people to blame. Ultimately, Dean Spanos gets the, the biggest part of the blame because he's the one that actually uprooted the Chargers and eventually took them. But I, I think there are a lot of people that deserve uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, criticism regarding that situation. Uh, I think they could have made it work here in San Diego. The problem was Dean didn't want to spend, you know, $600 million of his own money, yet the relocation fee to L.A. is 650 and he doesn't have that kind of money, all right? Yeah. I, I don't think they've made any impact whatsoever. They're still way down the totem pole. USC football's number one, okay? I would say UCLA football, as bad as they've been, they're right up there with the Rams. And then you got uh, somewhere, you know, after the Dodgers and the Lakers, uh, you got uh, the L.A. Chargers, okay? I'm never going to get used to that. I'm never going to forgive him. I'll never go to uh, watch a Charger game. 
Uh, there's no way I would ever drive to L.A. to watch a Charger game. Now, if somebody wants to pick me up and take me up to SoFi Stadium to watch a Rams game, hey, I'm, I'm great. I'm not right. driving to L.A., okay, on a right. Sunday. I got other things to do. I can, I can sit in my living room and watch uh, a bunch of different games and, and not deal with all the rigmarole Los Angeles. Uh, as far as the team coming back here, only way an NFL team would come back here, and let's say the Chargers, let's use the Chargers for an example. There are some people. In fact, there may be two different groups that would be willing to try to buy the Chargers from Spanos if he wanted to sell. And, you know, he's got his legal issues with his one daughter and his two nephews. We'll see where that goes. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't know if I'll see an NFL team back in San Diego during my lifetime. And, again, it's going to get back to that stadium. You can't play NFL football in a 33,000-seat stadium. You just can't do it. Attention, this is a public service announcement. The following is injected for one reason and one reason only, to make Derek Vineyard look really, really silly with an absolutely horrific prediction he made. I met up with a gambler. We were both too Speaking of Oregon, um, I'm going to talk about financial advice, for one. And someone between the three of us told me, bet your mortgage on the Ducks plus the points. Uh, last Saturday, they said that's a guaranteed cover. Suckers line was another thing they did. Do you remember the final score, Derek? That's not true, by the way. But well, I remember the final score. You do? What was it? Forty nine to three. Forty nine to three. Forty nine to three. So they didn't cover then. Not by a long shot. You sir have committed a capital crime. You have been sentenced to death. You get one final meal, one movie to watch while you eat that meal, and then one song to play you off. What's your What's your movie? Uh, my movie uh, would uh, definitely be uh, uh, Bull Durham. Okay. Because that was the most realistic of all the baseball movies I've watched. A lot okay. of that stuff uh, that was said uh, is locker room uh, talk. I'm big on locker room talk because yeah. I've been around it my entire life. Um, and while you're sitting down watching the love story that is Bull Durham, <laughs> what are you going to eat? I'm going to have uh, my last dinner from Tony's The Call restaurant in Eden Gardens, a small uh, Hispanic community in Solana Beach. And I'm going to have the Tony's combo like I've had ever since I was a little boy. Nice. Uh, turkey tacos, uh, beans, rice, and uh, a cheese enchilada. Excellent. Any... Uh, Anything to drink? What are you going to wash that down with? I'll probably, uh, since it's my last meal, I'll probably have a Coke. Okay, dessert? That's no. the last meal? No, nah, I don't think so. Not a dessert not, guy? Not a big dessert guy, no. Okay. And then, uh, what song? What song is going to put you at ease and send you? Uh, I think uh, I did it my way. I did it my way. Yes, there you know, I, I always kind of kind of laugh. The guy that I played for in junior college who gave me my first college job, uh, his philosophy, uh, there's three ways to do things. The right way, my way, or the wrong way. Guess which one you're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you going to go a little Sinatra? Yeah, a little Sinatra, absolutely. You ever seen karaoke? No. My, uh... I'm not allowed to even sing in the shower at my house. <laughs> you know, I keep telling my wife, I go, honey, if I would have put all my time and energy into being a singer opposed to taking ground balls or being in a batting cage or, or uh, shooting jump shots, 
I go, I could have been, I could have been Elvis, or I could have been Buddy Holly or somebody, but you know what? She doesn't really believe me. <laughs> no, you know, it's, this goes back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, that people have certain innate talents and certain eye-hand coordination and certain skills, and no matter how hard some kids work, they're never going to be a great athlete. Right. And no offense, but no matter how hard you work, you're probably not ever going to be a great no. singer. No, no, I, 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 I can't <laughs> sing more than two words. I make up a lot of words in song. My guest today has been Coach John Cantera. You can find him on Facebook as John Cantera. Yep. And on Instagram? Uh, well, I'm on Instagram at uh, Coach Cantera, and then I'm on uh, Twitter at uh, Coach Cantera 44. 44. And those of you who are paying attention, high school football number. You can also listen to him anytime, Monday through Friday, 10 to 2 on 97.3 The Fan. You got it. And then uh, call in and say, I heard you on Tony on the mic, but don't. See, like I had my friends who I'm telling you are going to be on the show. I hope they don't call in advance. You know, wait till I drop the episode next weekend so we get a little street cred. But it has been fantastic. Oh, Derek is here too. I got to say something. This is a real man right here. Spoiler alert. Oddly, he wasn't talking about me. I met Coach about 15 years ago at Fletcher Hills Little League while he was doing a charity event. And this man does his homework. And he remembers my wife's name. He remembers my my name, which is insane. Yeah. And I just appreciate you. you you're a, you're an icon in San Diego, but this is a real man. Good guy, family guy. Loves his daughters. Loves his grandchildren. And he's sitting here with us. This is huh. insane. Yeah, and I, I really appreciate it because this is what he does, and he's a busy man. Yeah, no, I, I thank you for that, Derek, and uh, you know I I thank you. Uh, number one, I thank you for feeling good enough to invite me down here. I, I always look at it as an honor, not uh, you know something I, I have to do. It's something I wanted to do. Well, I hope you had a reasonable time. Oh, I had a great time. <laughs> He'll either like it or hate it. We'll see. <laughs> uh, you know what? We've had uh, a lot of time tonight to, to fun, uh, talk about some really fun things and some tough things, yeah, too. Yeah, some real things, absolutely. Yeah. And, again, you guys can call in, find them on the radio. And I'll, I'll second that. John Cantera 44? No, Coach Cantera 44. Coach Cantera 44. Hit him up on your on the socials because he's big on the socials. Do you do, do, you do much? Uh, quite a bit. Do you uh, really? I'm on Facebook more than Twitter. Twitter, I don't uh, get too involved. Instagram, not as much. But yeah. uh, if they want to hit me up, I always return. Uh, I return the message. So are you going to accept my friend request if I send you a friend request? Yeah, I'm not going to delete it. Well, that's high praise. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know what? I take any and all. I'm I'm not one of these guys that you know picks and chooses. Uh, yeah. You know, if somebody wants to be my Facebook friend and wants to ask me a pottery question or something about the Aztecs or whatever. Uh, like Derek said, man, I'm just a I'm just a guy that's been fortunate to be behind the mic for a long time. But you know, like I was talking to someone that coached me last week, and they said, you know, John. All the success you've had, you're the same guy that I remember when you were 16 years old. That's and, awesome. And that, that means more to me than yeah. anything, to Heck be yeah. honest with you. Heck yeah, absolutely. That means that means everything. So, stand-up guy, we'll add that to your list of credentials. Oh, thank you. I'm going to Facebook friend you, and uh, I'll let the fans know. But that is going to do it from the La Mesa Lush Studios of Tony on the Mic, executive producer for the day, Derek Vineyard, sign off. Yes. Thank you, people. That might be the worst sign-off I've ever heard. Hey. Let's try it again. EP 
Derek Vineyard. <laughs> and Coach Kajara. Thank, thank you. you for joining us. Say goodnight to the folks. Night, uh, Tony. Thank you so much, and I uh, hope everyone enjoys the episode. I'm, I'm sure they will. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Tony in the Mesa. The Mesa. Outro. 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 That is going to do it for another episode of Tony on the Mic. Please subscribe, like, comment, and support the show at Tony on the Mic on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and the TikTok. All of these platforms are being slowly filled with quality entertainment product. Also support the show on our Patreon page and contact Tony on the Mic at TonyOnTheMic.com for sponsorship opportunities and content suggestions. I want to thank my sponsors and the support side, including associate producer Gary E.P. Derek Vineyards. <laughs> We were talking about Chet Forty earlier. Uh-huh. Chet Forty gave me a great piece of advice. I mean, he gave me a lot of advice about a lot of things. But the one thing that always stuck with me, and Tony, this is kind of my personality anyways, is to go out and, you know, introduce myself to people. And he told me, he goes, Coach, he goes, now that you're doing well in the radio business, he goes, every time you go out on an appearance, you shake hands with people. Shake yeah. as many hands as you possibly can because you're going to have a listener for life. I've never forgot what Chet told me that. And, and shortly, a few months after that, he passed away. The other thing I wanted to mention about Chet, you know, my first show I got was in 1996. And I started off, uh, you know, I was doing the high school stuff, and I was doing uh, Aztec stuff uh, thanks to Tony Gwynn. He got me in doing that because he didn't want to do basketball, and he, he told them, well, let Coach Cantero do it. So that, <laughs> gave, that was a good break early yeah. in my career. But – they uh, uh, would, uh, you know, run a, a bunch of different shows. And uh, Chet, uh, they, they gave me this late night show. And we had Scott Farrell on. Oh, Farrell on the bench. bench. Well, yeah. Farrell did something stupid. And our program director took him off the air. And so they, that's when they gave me an earlier slot. So the day before Chet passed, well, he passed away on a Saturday morning. But on uh, Friday, the day before he passed away, somebody called Stephen Chet the loose cannons and said, Hey, I want to congratulate. I heard you guys got really good ratings and Chet goes, Oh, thank you very much. And blah, 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 blah. And he goes, man, he goes, I, I want to congratulate coach Contero. He got his first, very first rating book and he knocked him dead. Nice. And, and Chet was praising me. That was on a Friday. Lee Hamilton called me the next morning and Kelly walks up the stairs at eight. And I'll never forget. I looked at the clock. It was eight Oh seven. And, and I go, Hacksaw, what's up? Because nobody would call me because no, I was on to right. 1 o'clock in the morning getting home at 2 usually from right. the high school show. I go, why is he calling me? He goes, hey, Chet Forty passed away this uh. morning. And you know what was unique about that? Was that was the night of the junior uh, prom for Jacqueline and my daughter. They both went to school together at Torrey Pines. Oh, wow. And Jacqueline ended up going. Her mom talked her into going even though her dad had passed right. away that day. Yeah. And that was tough. And then I had the very, very first show live show i did a, a special uh, 10 o'clock show on sunday morning uh we announced at three o'clock on saturday afternoon that chet had passed and the reason we waited so long was steve hartman was up in la and we couldn't get a hold of him and he didn't have cell phones back right, in 96 right. okay yeah. and so i did the very first show live show and for two hours and i cried the whole time people cried with me and tony one thing i i don't have a lot of tapes in my career that's one tape I wish I would have had because mm. uh, uh, talking to people about Chet and the impact he had made, not only in San Diego, yeah. but in Southern California in a short period of time. I mean, he's a special guy. I remember when he came on, when he kind of debuted, 
I remember saying over and over, it's like, Chet 40? Yeah, exactly. Did Chet 40? And and it was. It was Chet 40. Well, you know, I mean, all the gambling problems he had and all that. John Lynch gave him another opportunity. And you know what? Chet made the most of it. Yeah, no, he was he was always uh, fun to listen. And, and again, the stories of, you know, Monday Night Football and all oh, that yeah. stuff. It was it was really cool. 